the one and only Heavy Hole Podcast. I am your host, Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, and Dave Gladding is back in the building, my co-host. How are you, Dave? I'm doing all right, man. Feeling better. I had COVID last week. Ooh. Ooh. You all right? Yeah. Yeah, I survived. You know, it's the first time I really kicked my ass, but I made it through, you know, with the, with the help of mm. various medications and things of that nature yeah I, I see you holding the paps blue ribbon right there yeah, <laughs> dude, it's very, important, man. Var- various medications <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> i gotta i gotta take my medicine more importantly how's your dog dog's good uh did that tell you i got a, a second dog again wait wait you're taking me down an old familiar path <laughs> this, is, this is a sequel <laughs> now yeah we, we we got we got a, a puppy like a and it's it's a boy. So apparently the the problem the last time was that it was two female dogs. Mm. So and they're uh they're getting along better. Okay. No one's tried to kill anybody. I'm God. I'm just glad there's peace. All I want is for there to be peace with dogs. I you know I yeah. don't want your dogs to peace, beef. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men, oh. all that shit. What sort of a puppy is this though? What was is this a breed? Is this a mutt? Or is this, I'm sorry, uh, a mixed breed. It's a mutt. It's apparently we we did the the doggy DNA thing to find out what kind of mix it is, and it's apparently like a, a specific kind of mutt. It's called like a it's like a Korean village dog or a Japanese village dog. It kind of looks like a beagle. Okay, but it has like the curly tail, like like the like a Shiba Inu or something. Interesting. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, I, but I don't know what else. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's sort of like a beagle mutt, if I had to to guess. But you know, it's fun fun to play with. Yeah, dog, dogs are great. I um I plan on uh, getting a dog eventually, adopting a dog. Um, but it's uh, there's work to be done. I have a I have an old cat. I have a senior cat. I just I don't want to bring a dog. Like the the cat is he's just old, and I I feel like a yeah, dog. Yeah, that'd be mean dog would freak the, them out cat. it's not gonna be cute they're not gonna it's not gonna be milo and otis you know it, it's it's more it's gonna be more like grumpy old men yeah you know what now, i mean i got one of my cats is old and she she's had to deal with like new cats new dogs all kinds of shit and she is she, she doesn't like anybody <laughs> yeah i i feel like i took this cat in i feel like the the the, the right thing to do by him would just be to like let him live out his natural lifespan you know what I mean? He's he's a little bit older now. He's you know he's not doing okay. You know, God God bless. You know, you know yeah. So we'll see what happens, man. Um, uh, you know, with these animals, it's a tricky game. You wear many hats. You, you dodge. You, you know, it's a, it's a slip, slippery slippery slope. Uh, before you got too many animals and you don't know what to do. Dave, you've been there. Yeah, I I continue I'm continually down this road. I keep trying to get more. You you think you got it bad? Our uh, our our other our colleague, Ian Coney's, uh, one of my other co-hosts. He he had too many chickens. That's way worse than too many dogs. Yeah, actually, that's a lot of eggs. I guess you'd think, but I hear that that's tricky too. There's work that huh. goes into that. Yes, you got to have everything just right for these little guys to 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 cluck out some eggs. I don't know. I I go to fucking dairy barn. Like everybody else, actually, they don't have Dairy Barn. I go to Dairy Barn at King Cullen. You know what I'm saying? Same here, Food Town. All right. Um, yeah, King Cullen, I think, is a regional Long Island thing. Yeah, you might be right. I uh, I don't think I 
seen any up here in my neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at a King Cullen down in uh, Belmore, I think. That's like the most Nassau County thing you could say is that you used to work at a King Cullen. That's very That's me. And you used to be in the communion. Those are the two most Nassau County things. I used to play in the communion, and I used to work at a King Cullen. Yeah, I just had to check those boxes off my resume so I could I could move on with my life. Oh God! Well, listen. I don't know if he used to work at a King Cullen. I don't know if he used to work uh, at a Wawa because uh, they got them down where he's from. The King of Philadelphia. I'm talking about Jim Viola. I caught up with him and all of his illustrious projects today, man. Another guy who wears many hats. Let's get him on the horn. This is Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with returning champion guest, Jim Viola uh, of Morgul Blade, Wild Beyond, Orb, and allegedly his alter ego, the Necrosexual. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Yo, Will, thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked to talk about metal with you and probably sound like a giant dork. <laughs> it's all good, man. I'm, nobody is more of a giant dork than me. Um, when it comes to metal, and I'm glad to have you back on. You've got a, you've been uh, very busy since the last time we had you on. I can't believe it's been a few years now, but um, uh, I want to talk about all the new music you've been creating and uh, just kind of catch up, so to speak. So if the listeners don't realize, they can go back and um, look 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 a few years back and look look for our original interview with Jim uh, Viola, aka the Necrosexual. Um, and we did a lot of your background and the kind of usual uh, life story. How'd you get into music type of thing, Jim? Since we've been talking to you last, um, I don't even know where to begin. But I feel like <laughs> I know you you've been working with Morgul Blade a, a while, right? Yeah, I think that the the most concise version of recent events allegedly will was uh, in 2021 i stepped away from my previous band they were called basilisk i yeah. played with them for about five years starting in 2016 and uh, in 2021 in the summertime I, I left that band just due to the ever popular and pervasive personal and creative differences <laughs> uh we put out one album in 2019 called emergence it's a banger it's worth checking out if you're a fan of technical death metal with other influences but uh, I felt like it was time to move on, but I still had an intense desire to continue creating music and playing festivals and traveling and living that rock and roll lifestyle that we all love. So I put it out there to my friends and anyone who listened that I wanted to continue playing music and was using this opportunity as a, as a, I guess an op a chance to do that with, uh, with new people. And within a few months later, I was involved, I, got involved with um, two of those bands, Morgul Blade and Wild Beyond, sort of at the ground level. So the metal gods listened and delivered. And uh, it's been it's been a fun couple of years since then. Yeah, the metal gods do deliver, man. It's funny yeah. because I, I just, from, what, from the story you just told, I can relate a little bit. I had something of a similar parallel. Um, you know, a, a band I was with a very long time. There was a personal difference type of thing. Uh, I got out there. I was pushing it hard. I was doing. I was doing a little too much. I was on like Facebook, 
uh, and you know, looking for musicians, trying to start a band. I had I had everybody I needed right in my circle of friends, man. But you know, right. So um, so so I, I kind of know what you mean, man. So let's. I want to break it down though because I really enjoy all the music that you sent me. You were kind enough to send me links to all this stuff. And um, and there's another project orb that we have to talk about. Let's let's start with Morgul Blade because that band is um, it's a special mix. It it has it has something of that kind of like classic uh, Scandinavian uh, melodic kind of black metal-y sound, but then like you guys break it down with something very metal to it, very like like balls out metal. I don't t- take us through who these other guys in the band are, how you hooked up with them and kind of what the vision is for the band. Yeah. If you had told me like 15 or 20 years ago, or even like five years ago that I'd be playing in a Lord of the Rings based heavy metal band, I would (laughs) not believe you. (laughs) But um, yeah. And so in 2021, like I had mentioned earlier, I put it out there that I wanted to play new music and Morgul Blade had just released or had just recorded their debut album, Fell Sorcery Abounds. And they were also looking for some committed musicians to play these songs on the road and also start writing their, their follow-up album. So as it turned out, my old bandmate from Basilisk and also of a band you might have known, Bloodspore, Luke, had sort of mentioned to that band that I was out there. And their uh, drummer and producer, Will Meller, reached out to me. We had recorded together in the past, so we had been friends and worked together a little bit. And uh, he said, hey, we have this album coming out on No Remorse Records in the fall. Do you want to give it a stab? So I said, sure. And I learned the album in about a week. And it was uh, and I had one practice with them. And by the end of that practice, we had played all the songs on the album. And we had also started jamming on some of the new songs that are going to be on our upcoming full length album, which has also been entirely recorded and is off to the presses. So that'll be coming in very early 2024. Um, in terms of the personnel with Morgul Blade is very much the brainchild of, uh, the mysterious Lord Clough, who is a super cool down to earth Philly boy. He loves the Eagles. He loves drinking beers with, with his lads and talking about European football. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that band's been a great palate cleanser for me and, and way much more. Um, I think I've become a better songwriter getting involved in Morgul Blade from playing with like a super technical band with Basilisk, like Basilisk rather that has like a dozen riffs per minute uh, to playing like a really catchy anthemic heavy metal style that you can bang your head to. And with melodies that really stay in your ear for a long time. And likewise, um, the the enthusiasm from Mogul Blade has been phenomenal. Like it was really kind of a trip to join this band that was already like getting tons of momentum and fans in Europe and all over, all over the world. So that, that, that has been really humbling. And of course I always joke that their debut album is the best record I never played on because I was already in the band by the time it came out, but I wasn't on it. So I'm i I'm super, super excited to release this new full length because I'm on that from start to finish and it's going to be a banger. All right. Yeah. Cause you were kind enough to let me preview two songs from the forthcoming album that you contributed more the writing to man they were they were bangers man i really enjoy it's like i said there's something to it that reminds me of those classic like dissection or lord belial uh evil swedish melodic bands i don't know if that i don't know if i'm just kind of um <clears throat> uh, uh 
picking picking at 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 straws here to to find a way to describe it, but it's, it's so catchy. I could see it catching on in Europe. Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me with that band was there when I first heard that debut album. As I was learning it, I was telling my friends about it. I was trying to describe how it sounded, and it had a very familiar sounding element to it with the atmosphere and the melodies, but I couldn't quite like put my finger on it, like Iron Maiden or this or that. But um, yeah, I know that that my bandmates are super into a lot of bands like Vindir, Sacramento, myself as well. And then also like the arena rock stuff, like the Scorpions, Metallica, Dokken. So it all kind of finds its way in there. And with the new album in particular, it's been really fun to sort of build on the catchy and anthemic melodic parts, but also get more ambitious with the songwriting and lean into those black metal parts and fast parts. And I'm a, I'm a big thrash metal fan myself. So there's definitely some thrashy moments as well. Yeah. The, the scorpions, but extreme, it's really good shit, man. Um, highly recommended uh, as, so <clears throat> you, you put out, I, I know you have the, um, uh, into the piercing cold demo, right? Yes. So that, that is maybe what, what could, uh, uh, satiate people until, um, you put out your forthcoming album. Is there anything else you want to tell us about uh, in terms of Morgul Blade uh, coming up? I don't know in terms of the recording or the album or any of your plans for 2024. Yeah, well, we've already been confirmed to play the Keep It True Festival in Germany, so it will be our first tour. <laughs> and and for me and Klauf, it'll be our first time in Europe touring. So we're super, super excited for that. And we also aim to do some other touring around that time leading up to the festival in the Germany area, probably like France, Germany, that part of the, the continent. So that is exciting on the horizon. Uh, and yeah, thank you for that plug as well. We have, uh, we went on tour last year and played the hell's heroes festival in Texas with possessed and razor and Hollis and exciter and a bunch of other bands I grew up listening to. So that was really, really cool. And to prepare for that festival and that tour, we released a, a, a cassette exclusive demo called Twilight Descends. Um, I think we're sold out of them by now. You might be able to find a couple on Discogs, but that was a, a cool little live demo that we recorded in our basement studio, essentially recording our set list that we took on the road. And then there are also two new songs that are also part of the Into the Piercing Cold online uh EP or whatever you want to call it um, that are included in that. So I guess I've, technically that was cool because I was on a record with Morgul Blade huh. and it also gives a little taste of what's to come. Uh, well, you, you mentioned all those big bands. What, did you get to meet anybody? Are there any cool stories from that? Yeah. I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole nine days or whatever we were on the road was like one cool story after another, but it was really, really humbling and exciting to go to places like Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, St. Louis, or, down south and you find your little circle of freaks and feel like we were just at home still, no matter how far we were. Um, but in terms of uh, Hell's Heroes Festival, highly recommend it. I would say Dan Beller from Exciter was a truly a man of the people. Like that whole weekend, I saw him just hanging out, watching shows, watching Celtic Frost, like from the ground level in the pit with everybody, just hanging out at the after parties, talking to fans, taking pictures. So uh, he was he was a real he walks the walk. And it was cool seeing him just being there the whole time, hanging out. That's cool, man. It's always good to hear those kind of behind the behind the scenes uh, uh, street cred stories, man, about about some of the people that we we grew up listening to. 
Yeah, dude, he was going harder than me. I was ready to go to bed, and I was like, "Man, this motherfucker's like twice my age, and he's still <laughs> still going strong." So <laughs> yeah, dude, it's the drum drummers, man. They got that stamina. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that has something to do with it, man. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of drummers can just keep going and going, man. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, th- we we wish you the best of luck with that. But you're not even that. That's that's not even the whole thing that was on your plate, man. Because we haven't even gotten into Wild Beyond. Um, right. uh, well, I mean, start us off because is, is that, that's a whole different kind of circle of people from Morgul Blade. Is it, is it people that you never worked with before? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, so I got involved with Morgul Blade in the summer, the end of the summer of 2021, around that same time, my friend Jeshik, who plays in a band called Sonia and Crossbitter, who's a good good dude. We ended up touring with Sonia and Morgul Blade, so much respect to Jeshik and that group. But he played in a very legendary cult, Philadelphia black metal band that he started in like seventh grade when he was like 13 years old called Infernal Stronghold. And um, they're sick. They're very intense, very punk rock driven, almost like grindcore black metal. Uh, they put out one posthumous album in 2015 called down the black tubes that i really really enjoyed or i think it was released a couple years later but it was recorded in 2015 but i digress so uh jeshik put it out that his bandmate his former infernal stronghold bandmate eddie was looking to start a new black metal band and uh being the infernal stronghold fan that i was as well as eddie is the vocalist for daiva who's have put out some banger black thrash albums as well so when I heard that Eddie wanted to kick out some jams, I was also super intrigued because on one hand, Mogul Blade was a great band for playing like the simple rock and roll based heavy metal songs. But I still wanted to continue to push in a more extreme direction with like black metal, with the speed, with the intensity, with the progressive song structures. And so that seemed like a great opportunity. So we, we met up, uh, Eddie and I, we hung out a few times. He showed me he already had like, four different songs kind of uh, demoed out. And then it became a matter of finding a a man for the job to drum, a human drum machine. And that person came in the form of Evan Madden, who uh, had played in bands like Woods of Ypres in the past, as well as Woe, drones from Queens. So he was one of those people that has always been busy in a lot of bands. And I didn't even think that he would be, have the availability to drum for us, but I guess he liked the guitar demos that Eddie showed him enough. So he gave us a shot. And um, I'd say within maybe eight months, we had recorded our first seven or eight songs. And uh, we found a home in Cruz del Sur Records, specifically their Gates of Hell Records subdivision to release our self-titled debut album in May of 2023. So uh, that's that's been a really fun project because sort of like Basilisk, I've, I've always gravitated toward speed and music that challenges me as a musician or in terms of my playing and just <clears throat> coming up with twisted, sort of insane sounding arrangements that are very evil. And that band was, uh, I think it's a real dream team of of some fucked up musicians, <laughs> fucked up musicianships and, and lyrics. So it's been a really rewarding experience for that as well, um, especially that this label in Italy would be down to print it out on vinyl and CD and pretty much sight unseen. We hadn't released a single demo out. So to go from nothing to having a 
full length on vinyl and CD formats a year later was really humbling. It's it's a great album. I really enjoy it. Um, it's it's hard to pick favorites between Morgul Blade and Wild Beyond, but Wild Beyond maybe is um, kind of kind of within that that sweet spot of um, I, I don't want to label it too much, but I I think you could say that there are parts of it that might appeal to fans of dissonant death metal and dissonant black metal. Uh, it's it's kind of technical. There are parts that throw you off a little bit. It's there. There's it merits repeated listening. I think yeah. um, <laughs> to 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 really. I, I mean, you know, seriously, it's that kind of metal uh, as opposed to Morgul Blade, which is more like you said. It's very catchy. It's ear candy in a way to metalheads. Um, you know, it's memorable. Whereas Wild Beyond, I feel like you kind of like got you have to dig dig a little deeper. Uh, who came up with the name Wild Beyond? I'd say if Mogul Blade is ear candy, while Beyond is like nose candy for metalheads. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like so, that. Yeah. So that was a funny story. Um, Eddie had like a list of band names. And of course, he double checked them all with met, with metal archives, you know, and uh, Wild Beyond was one of the first ones. And that just stuck with me right away. I just thought it was really sick sounding. And even with the album cover that we chose by Album Burke, Adam Burke, rather. Uh, the album, the album artwork is a piece called Beyond, so it sort of speaks to the music as well, in terms of the, I guess, synchronicity. But yeah, I, I think it's one of those bands. It's very important for a band to sound like their name implies, and I think that While Beyond is a band that does that. I I would agree, and I like the um, band name and the album cover because it's. Uh, even the logo there it's like they it's all very mysterious you know what i mean you have some like you have some song titles uh you know antichrist coronation i'm looking at and uh, you know and then you have arctic stargate frenzy that the skull um in the footsteps of mars so it's like it's it's not kind of like blatant science fiction or blatant uh demonic stuff man but it's it's a very kind of like clandestine mysterious project and i think the music fits that there's something really cool about it um what where tell tell me a little bit about so so you didn't do a demo you guys went right into recording the the full length was there a lot of writing in the studio or did you guys have like a whole album written and you were just ready to go in yeah we more or less had the album ready to rock and roll because evan is a very meticulous drummer as you can hear on the record um so we were we were very very like meticulous to have click tracks all ready for him to practice too and so on um and also to your point before i got to give a lot of respect to Ed, eddie who is our chief lyricist and i think you hit the nail on the head because it's like an, it's a cross-section of like occultism and science fiction and like demonic stuff but based in the real world like the, the cia operatives or cia people people that have worked in the government like jack parsons who was a rocket science that was like super involved in occult circles and there's this this like x-files cross section of all those things that the lyrics kind of touch upon okay. and uh he has he's a really unique lyrical writing style i guess he just kind of has like notebooks of lyrics that have just accumulated over the years and he sort of finds like the phrases that work for this for the music and he did a great job of that um but yeah we we did most of the uh i think maybe some of the lyrics we wrote in the studio, like for a song like Frenzy at the Skull, but it was more or less planned out. So that, uh, yeah, I, that was that was a cool process. We worked with Steve Roach, who plays in Satia, New York, 
screamo legends yeah and uh, yeah. it was also real cool working with him for the first time and i think it's also worth noting like it it was we had never played with each other before like i knew eddie i knew of his previous bands i knew of evan and his previous bands um so kind of like along the way we realized that we all were big like metallica and megadeth fans and then we're also big like eddie and evan love like demu bourgeois cradle of filth we're all huge fans of Immortal. So kind of finding that common ground between like the black metal and the thrash metal in a way, I think like the first album is almost like it's not a demo, but like we, we now know our voice a lot more that we've re that we've released it. And so on the same note, we're super excited to have like our next batch of songs penned and ready to record at some point. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask you. What's going on for the future with that band next year? Inclu yeah. including a new recording and um you know in, in general how do you do you play life often with that band is touring a goal yeah we'd love to i mean we had a great year for a new band out of the gate we played our first show um with morgul blade and while beyond we both played our first show at saint vitus bar which is like i feel like the spot that all metalheads aspire to play at so to play our debut show for both those bands was very validating <laughs> And uh, and with Wild Beyond, we also got a chance to open up for Sacramentum in Philadelphia. Huge Sacramentum fan, so that was like very very cool uh, to be there. Um, we did a little tour down south to Richmond and Raleigh over the summertime. We played with our friends in Plague Fever, which are members of Battlemaster, as well as um, uh, our, our friends in, in Gaga. And uh, I'm sorry, edit that part out. Not in Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> sorry um but we did a tour down to richmond virginia we played with our friends in plague fever who are members of battle master as well as richmond uh and i think at this point we're kind of holding off on any more shows until we get this new album done but of course like evan and eddie they've been doing it for like 20 years i've been doing it for like over 10 years at this point so we're, we're all students of the game and of course, our goals are to play those festivals and do those tours in the future. So I think the best tool to get on those shows is to have a strong album and to use that momentum to play out more. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go back and probably spend the the winter months and spring getting our new album written. But we will definitely be back and ready for more rock and roll in the future. Looking forward to it, man. Um, yeah, I did enjoy that album, and I would be, um, uh, I would definitely look forward to seeing you guys live. Both bands' first live shows, same fighters, but aren't you guys all from the Philadelphia area? We are. <laughs> <laughs> How's that work, man? Philly could be a rough spot. I think that uh, sometimes you have to like play out outside of your home okay. to get that recognition in your hometown. Mm. And I say that with the utmost respect, but. I think it's just one of those like big city things where people kind of get spoiled because there is so much happening in the city. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a saying like, you'll never get as little love as you will in your own hometown. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we played Philadelphia like with both bands many times as well. So we love to, we love to play Philly, but I do like sort of taking it on the road. I think it's important to present your work to new places and not just play in your backyard. Exactly. You know, there might be a, a lesson there. Um, there's a careful balance between building up local support and saturating your local scene. And sometimes you want to get out of state and do a tour and then come back and, and play. You know, it, it's, there is something about it. It's kind of like leveling up in your local uh, uh, scene kind of. So 
Uh, with, with that being said, tell me a little bit about this other uh, band. That is, is this like another full-fledged band, a studio project? What about Orb? What about Orb? <laughs> so that is Orb came about. That, again, is uh, Mr. Klauf's idea from Orgoblade. He had this idea for like an occult punk rock project, supernatural themed. He loves Halloween. Likewise, so do I. We're both born in September. So we're, we're Virgo. So we're, we're children of the fall and of the autumn months. And it sounded like it was like a really fun thing to be involved with, involved with rather. And so after we were kind of on a little bit of a standstill with the Morgul Blade album, because our, our other Morgul Blade bandmates were on tour in Heavy Temple. And so around that time, Rich and I, Klauf, Mr. Klauf and I got together and uh, headed out to the studio and sort of did this like lo-fi black metal rock and roll punk rock demo, which was something new, new to me. Like in all the bands I played in, I haven't really ever done just like a straight up demo before. So that was like a very fun, relaxing project to meet with friends and do things like DIY style. I did a lot of like audio engineering and editing with it uh, with no real major expectations other than just like making cool music. Uh, I'd say at the, at the brainchild of Orb, it's Klauf and myself, uh, but we did get a chance to collaborate on our house of the dark Knight demo with our one friend, Andrew Ein, who lives in Raleigh and plays in Ngaga and like 20 other bands on bass. And our other friend, Kyle uh, from Savage Mystic, he played drums. So a little bit of a like collabor collaborative effort as well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, we released our album on Halloween. It's very Halloween punk rock theme, sort of like a mix between like, it's a, a lot of influences, <laughs> but you know, like the typo negative for me, Depeche Mode for me, like Duran Duran, of course, Danzig and stuff like that. So that was a, that was a super fun project to do when I played guitar and keyboards on it. So it was, it was the one band I didn't play any bass on. And it's got a really campy, uh, old fashioned kind of like seventies, occult indie rock type of thing at times, but it's also got a dungeon synth vibe at yeah. times, man. And I've noticed something, I believe it was, uh, maybe in your social media, um, that it, that you actually used a, a, a it wasn't a computer plugin of any kind. It was a real keyboard that you inherited. Oh yeah, from your grandmother. Yeah, so yeah. I play keyboard and Wild Beyond as well. But with Orb in particular, my uh, my grandmother she passed away in May of 2023. She was 93 years old, but a very full life worth celebrating. Um, but up until she was 90, she was still playing her Radio Shack keyboard. Huh. So when she did pass away, I inherited the keyboard because I knew I would use it. And uh, I recorded all the, all the orb stuff on her, uh, on her radio shack keyboard. So it, I'm, I'm a big fan of analog. Uh, I'm, I know midis are cool and plugins are really powerful, but sometimes there's nothing like just being able to use like tones that you can find with a native instrument. And surprisingly enough, it's like 20 year old, 30 year old radio shack keyboard has some pretty bomb ass tones that I was able to use. So I think, uh, that certainly lends itself to the supernatural nature of Orb, the fact that I'm playing my like my dead grandmother's keyboard. But I know she would also be very, uh, very impressed that I was able to get that sort of mileage out of it. Yeah, no, it is impressive and it adds a lot of credibility to the whole project. I, I enjoy that aspect of it, man. Um, that's great that you were able to utilize that. Yeah. And like I said, was, 
I'm there was one I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, sorry. Go ahead, but, go, ahead, um, go ahead, please. Yeah. There, there. I did also score a really sick, like 1980s made in Japan Casio keyboard off the old Facebook Marketplace. So there's a there's a little bit of that keyboard uh, at the end of the album on the last song, and I definitely look forward to using that again in multiple bands in the future. So, uh, I'm you know being being a musician playing bass and guitar and keyboards. My wife loves it because I'm always getting new toys, but it, it's fun. It's fun for me, and it's not drugs, so it keeps me out of trouble. Uh, there you go. You're making me want to break out my little four track and my drum machine and, and start messing around myself here. <laughs> all this talk. Um, so, so Orb is more of like a kind of a fun recording project, I guess you would say. Are you, are you guys like playing live or? No, we haven't played live yet. Um, I I do know that Klaff and I are both writing like new music, so we definitely hope to come back in the near future with a full length, probably. Um, so there should be some more Orb in the future too. But it's a uh, yeah. So there, the, you can keep your ears ears peeled for that. But in the meantime. If you like spooky John Carpenter ish dungeon synth with like Danzig, I don't I don't even know. <laughs> it's uh it's a fun project to listen to. Well, like I said, it kind of reminds me of like what what would be in some sort of weird occult horror movie from the seventies, like before heavy metal was really the thing. Like like a kind of like a cult indie rock kind of weird uh psychedelic vibe. it's 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 hard to describe i think the listeners should just check it out and get a kick out of it how cool thank you that, that's a high compliment i appreciate that yeah I yeah think. no it's it's fun dude i i have a high appreciation for like kind of diy four track sounding um you know you know garage music man and, and that 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 kind of hits a spot um it's you know there's it's very authentic um howls in the dark night is the ep by orb uh, people should definitely check that out. And just uh, just to refresh people's memory, Wild Beyond uh, has a self-titled album on Gates of Hell Records, um, and Morgul Blade has a forthcoming uh, album that they are wrapping up recording. But in the meantime, there's um, the Twilight Descends live album uh, and the Into the Piercing Cold demo. And just look online. You'll find all this. This is 2023. I shouldn't have to tell you people about this. Listen to all that stuff. Um, but, uh, Jim, is there any other music you're involved in right now? I know, like, we had talked at length the last time I had you on about your alter ego, the necrosexual, and all the music you do with that project. Um, have you guys been, uh, on hiatus? Have you been, have you, have you, have you been putting that project on the back burner while you explore these? What's, what's the story? Yeah, it's funny. I, I get mistaken for the necrosexual so much, but I feel like I'm, because... (laughs) Our identities get confused. I feel like I'm uh, competent enough to speak on his behalf. <laughs> but uh, no, Necrosexual also has a new album coming out. So we we broke ground on recording that a few weeks ago, and that should hopefully be out here sometimes in 2024. Um, so yeah, ex- expect more Necrosexual madness in the new year. All right, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to, uh, to, to make any allegations, man. Allegedly, right, allegedly, yeah, yeah. Huh. You're, you're, you're allegedly the civilian contact for, uh, for the, the, this individual, the necrosexual. We look forward yeah. to that too, as well, though, because that's something, um, the listeners want to go back and, ch- and check out it as well. There's a lot of great music, uh, under, under that project as well. Um, and is there now? Did I miss anything though in terms of music and bands uh, and projects that you're involved in? Or, or I mean, is that is that kind of it at the moment? I th- I hope that's it for now. <laughs> I know a the, lot. I got a lot on my plate. I know the feeling, man. Trust me, man. <laughs> um, but in the underground, and well, I mean, because you know, I, I'm obviously I'm in like you know, kind of like 
three to five bands at any given minute, depending on if you count the little studio projects that don't do a lot, you know, like, like, but it's almost like, um, with, with this type of music, it's very hard to make a living off of it and kind of have one band pay your bills. Like you're the misfits or somebody. Um, so I, I think like it almost, it it lends itself to like, it's more functional to be in a few different bands because as the bands get opportunities, that's how you get to go on a tour or play some shows that you wanted to play and like have your personal goals. Um, I'm speaking for myself though. Like, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think in my case too, like from the follies of my youth, there was a lot of years I missed out on. So maybe part of it is just compensating for that. You know, I'm like 36. I'm not getting any younger, but I've been playing music. I've been playing like bass and guitar since I was like nine, 10, you know, probably yet seriously once I was into metal when I was 13 years old. And I've pretty much have been wanting to play music on stage and traveling the world since then. So when I was younger, I didn't really have maybe the confidence to see it through or form a band when I was a teenager or, you know, the twenties are kind of a weird time, but, uh, now, uh, you know, I think you surround yourself with competent, cool people that have like-minded goals that are there to create music and not just party or not just get scene points. You'll also have some laws of attraction at work. I think that with Morgul Blade and Wild Beyond, that was a really good case in point for those things. Uh, people that just getting the chance to join up with people who I've respected and enjoyed their body of work and always admired, but didn't think I'd have a chance to play with them. Some Eventually your paths are going to cross. So just because things aren't lining up or the opportunities aren't presenting themselves in the present doesn't mean that they won't in the future. So I think, uh, you know, and I have an intense desire to create. I have a lot of riffs in my head. So I think all of that just influences me to continue playing out. And, you know, as a, as a creative person, it is sort of like an addiction. You know, once you get that, once you get that taste, it's hard to stop. You're, you're right. I, I, I relate to a lot of what you just said, man. And there's, I just quickly want to say too, there's a lot of younger people who come to the shows, well, the old ages shows anyways, and who listen to the podcast, people in their teens and early twenties who are just starting their first bands and have, you know, demo projects. And that's something I always tell people is sometimes it's just about longevity. You know, so somebody I might meet who's bemoaning the fact that they can't get a band going, but they play an instrument or they want to do this. And sometimes it's just all about longevity and hanging in there because I didn't, you know, um, not, you know, not, not, not like saying that this is like I'm big shit or anything, but I'm just saying like, I didn't wake up and have a big circle of musicians that I can work with and, and support and bands that I can play shows with and, and express myself with, you know, this is all every last one of, you know, was kind of built this over, over time. So I just want to say that for the younger listeners, you know, sometimes it's just about sticking it out for a decade or two, and and then you kind of you might have a reliable band and a reliable network of support. You know, that's that's kind of what it takes sometimes. You know, some sometimes it can happen overnight for some people. You know, but not always. Right. Yeah. You don't. You can only be so lucky. But it is. It is a long game, and it is a small world. It's a very very small world. The, the metal, for as much music as it is out there, like you'd be surprised how <laughs> how how small it can be. So. That's a, that's a cool thing. You know, I think also there were a lot of, there were a lot of times where I was in bands over the years. I'm only speaking from my own experience, just like getting caught up in like playing out a lot locally or bands that should have recorded, but didn't, didn't really contribute anything substantive. So I think 
putting out three solid records with three different projects in, in one year was like very fulfilling and perhaps atoning for my my previous lack of focus <laughs> Be, being in a band that writes a whole album and then never records it and breaks up will like always stick with you for any other band you're in for the rest of your life you know i've i've been in those shoes and it's, it's like you always kind of have a fire under your ass to to get get this shit documented and you know out there absolutely yep same <laughs> Yeah. So, Jim, um, you know, you mentioned you, you brought up your wife before and you, you're fairly active on social media, um, not just with metal, but talking about another part of your life and another way you express yourself. You're very active in your local uh, burlesque community in which you are a performer and, and you're you're also, in, I guess, involved behind the scenes in some level. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. This is now I we talked a little bit about this last time. I take it you're still very, there's still a very big part of your life. And like we were saying behind the scenes, it's interesting because not every guest has a perspective on this. And I also thought maybe we could clear some sort of misconceptions that people might have. Now, first of all, being a burlesque performer, respectfully, I'm going to, I'm asking this because someone might say, what is the difference between this and, say, an exotic dancer, uh, someone who works out of a strip club, or, or even a sex worker? Right, absolutely. Uh, I mean, believe me, I wish we were making stripper money, but that's not the case. <laughs> but no, I mean, first off with burlesque, um, historically it's been built on the shoulder of, of women and queer people and particularly a lot of like black women and women of color. So as a, as a, you know, mostly heterosexual white male, uh, I'm aware that I'm definitely like as a burlesque performer, sort of a, an outsider or, um, within that, within that circle. And I just want to acknowledge that, but uh, I think burlesque, it's very, very cool because it's something that really attracts like all sorts of people, whether they're like theater people or musicians, or uh, there's certainly a little bit of overlap. Some of them have done, some of them are strippers or have been strippers or sex workers or still are, but burlesque is generally like a more theatrical, uh, a cabaret version of those, those things. And, um, you know, it's about the art of the tease and finding ways to connect with an audience in a way that's, uh, you know, more, I, I would say more theatrical and dramatic in its, in its foundation. And it could be, it could be political. It could be funny. It could be very classic. Um, it could be heavy metal, which is what I do. Heavy metal burlesque. <laughs> and it's generally something that, you know, attracts all body types, all gender identities, all sexual pretty much identities. So, uh, I, I enjoy performing. I've done a little bit of heavy metal burlesque festivals and have had the chance to take my, my few acts on the road and also hosting it. I really enjoy hosting and being an MC. Um, and it's a great way to, you know, just continue to, as a performer, as an artist, as a musician, I think it's important to see like what's working within different disciplines and seeing different disciplines and actions. And if you get the chance to be involved in different styles of art or performance what have you it it will ultimately make you stronger and more well-rounded so that's uh that's burlesque has been a great privilege to be able to perform uh in that circle and i also have to give a shout out to my wife dotty riot who has uh another burlesque performer who has been able to uplift me and inspire me and and motivates me to be the best performer that i can be across any genre or stage 
Wow, um, a lot there. I respect it. Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I respect it. There's a, there's a lot of depth to that. It sounds like theatrical is the word there. Maybe to clear up um, any misconceptions. Like I like I was saying before, I'm I'm you know familiar in a pedestrian way. Um, as much as I am, however, I it sounds like this is also maybe um, a form of outside theater that was pioneered by people who didn't have the opportunities in like the more conventional commercial theater circuit. From what you were telling me, yeah, you know, and I also have to give a shout out to Scott R. Johnston who did the uh, artwork for the first Necrosexual album, but he's he's very involved in the the living history of burlesque. And I think that there's a similarity between burlesque and heavy metal because like as a metalhead, it's, it's, you know, there's such reverence towards the the proto metal people from the seventies who are like playing heavy music before like Judas Priest or before Black Sabbath even, or to the, you know, the forefathers from the eighties, the Tony Iommi's, the Hetfields, the Mustangs and so forth and so on um, that kind of invented the genre and like knowing your living history and I think it's similar with burlesque. It's just a little bit more underground. So, you know, Scott um, has been a good gateway and a wonderful community builder with just like connecting newer people or outsiders to the history of burlesque. And in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, like a lot of these broads were, or I mean, they were women, but a lot of these huh. fucking badass women were like strippers that were also performing, like doing the showgirl thing. And it was a hustle, you know, Um the line was probably a little bit less clear between like stripping and sex work and, and burlesque, but like it was definitely it's always been an art form derived of, um, you know, from like vaudeville roots. Um, so it's, it's, I would say it's, yeah, theatrical is probably the common denominator, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. No, this is, this is interesting to me, man. It's something I'm like vaguely familiar with. Um, dumb, dumb question. Is this considered an American art form? Uh, it is certainly it has a lot of American roots that go back like many, many decades. You know, again, you're talking about Las Vegas showgirls in the 1950s. But I think if you go back even farther um, or even like the 20s or 30s, but it, it also I think a big part of it originated in Europe and like Germany and France within like their cabaret scene. Um, and again, I'm I'm still quite uh, a novice of burlesque myself, so I'm I'm you know, correct me if I'm misspeaking, but I know I know it also has very like old roots within Europe too. Yeah, fair enough. I don't want to put you on the spot like you're some sort no, of um, burlesque <laughs> historian or whatever. It's just you know I, I got you here, so I kind of want to pick your brain about it because it is something that I know is important to you, and you do have a lot of respect for, and you 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 know you you found that as a means of expression. You said it better than I could just a few minutes ago. How oh, how, how important <laughs> it is to you. Is there anything that you might want to plug or promote uh, from from that um, network and from that circuit? I don't know. I, I would say if you're interested in the burlesque history, check out the Burlesque Hall of Fame. Uh, they are very like involved in you know not only uplifting the new the newest voices of burlesque today, but also um, doing their best to up to uplift and spread awareness and history on the legends of you know yesteryear many of whom were still alive um, because it is, it is super fascinating and interesting. You know, there's, there's a lot, uh, there's a whole lot of like cultural, countercultural, political, like cross sections within this performance type performance artwork. And uh, you know, at the, at the very least, you'll, you'll probably see some really gorgeous people getting naked. So it's <laughs> a win-win situation, learn something and see something. 
Does does this have like a crossover or correlation with the the drag queen subculture? Uh, I think you know. I I think nowadays I'm speaking not speaking of the history, but speaking from what I see now, like there's there's a lot of cross pollination with uh, you know, drag is very popular now. Of course, there are um, people out there that want to you know conflate drag with like corrupting minors or trying to get it labeled as pornography or you know, trying to criminalize it or make it unsafe for that. And I'm, I say, fuck that. But, um, you know, with, uh, with burlesque and drag, uh, there's, there's, I feel like there's more with a lot of the shows that I see, you have a lot of drag performers doing burlesque techniques and also burlesque performers who are including drag queens and Kings. So, um, they are, they are separate, you know, I'd say they are distinctly separate art forms, but there's a lot of overlap as well. Yeah, I I didn't mean to imply that they're one and the same. They're de- definitely two distinct things. I think nowadays, um, like like you said, unfortunately, they would probably have common moral detractors, right? Um, uh, and you know what? I, I feel like us. I feel like us metalheads can certainly relate to that as well. I I was just gonna say, you know, um, I'm old enough to remember when uh, Tipper Gore. Uh, was trying to censor uh, heavy metal, and when you know, I mean, there there wasn't too long ago where where death metal was kind of uh, you know, part part of that that hot topic of censorship in in the news, man. So I always, um, I always wonder how 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 all these things go, how long till till somebody in in the news finds uh, out about porno grinders or gore grind or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right. I, I I've been I've been making the joke lately. I got a burn box for all my gore grind and porno grind. But we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, ho- hopefully, the, yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't get that crazy with the theocracy. Um, but uh, kidding aside, though, no, I appreciate that, man. Just kind of getting a glimpse into that. Um, so, Jim, I've had you on for a while now, and I, I do want to give you the opportunity to plug and promote anything else that's going on. Uh, but as I always do when I when I uh, round out the interviews, I want to ask you to to uh, recommend, I should say. One older and one newer release. Any artist you like, any form of music, metal or otherwise, just something from back in the day and something a little more recent to listen to. Woo. Okay, loaded question. Um, but I feel I've I've sort of prepared for this because I had a feeling you were gonna like pull one of those deep cuts out. So, uh, yep. Um, I would say for well, I'll start off with a newer release. I mentioned them earlier, but I've been really jamming Plague Fever. They're from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, they they're another scream team of talent with like Andy Horn from Battlemaster and like twenty other bands as well as Alex Tomlin. They have a six six song like mini album out right now, um, and it's like really cool, sort of gross rock and roll black metal, really catchy, really fun to bang your head with, and makes you want to drink beer with your boys. So I would say check that out. And then in terms of an old school release, what's it going to be? Um, this is, I mean, it doesn't seem old school to me because it's from the 90s, but I guess that is a bit older for our younger listeners. <laughs> and and I'm just get kind of getting into it now. You know, I'm a New York boy. I'm from Queens. You know, my family, my grandma are from Jackson Heights. So I'm going to say Marauder, Master Killer. Wow. Some really fun riffy thrashing new york city hardcore that's right i forgot you're a new york city guy <laughs> yeah going back new man. york city uh, ex i guess uh expulse expulse uh, what would you say like emigrant 
from New York City. Ex expat. Yeah. Expat of expat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, once a New Yorker, always a New Yorker. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my family, my grandma, where I grew up with, was like right around the corner from where they recorded the first Brutal Truth demo. So it's pretty cool right there in Jackson Heights, Queens. Now it makes more sense that both your bands played their first shows at uh, St. Vitus. Yeah, at Homecoming. All, it all makes sense now, man. And if people want a little bit more of your background, I should say, they could go back to the first time we had you on a few years ago. Um, where we, you know, we asked all those typical heavy hole podcast questions about, you know, you know, your first uh, time getting into heavy metal and all that sort of thing, man. But we appreciate you coming back on and um, uh, catching up with us today. And um, anytime someone wants to bring up Marauder on this podcast, that's fine with me, man. I love all that stuff. Um, I love that stuff that's kind of like you could call it metalcore, but it's like a, it's a different metalcore. It's it's like an older breed of what people called metal. You know, like that carnivore. It's you know, it's not it's oh, not yeah. you know, it's not the it's not what what people what became of that word. All these words changed. Emo was a very different thing in the nineties. Right. You know, screamo. All, yeah, all these words changed. You were talking about that band Sasha. Before yeah. Seisha, I think you know people might have used that word screamo for them in the '90s, but then the word screamo got got into a different thing, man. I don't know. Yeah, but I, anyway, I, I don't want to. I don't want to box them in, man. I don't want the. I don't want the guys from Seisha coming after me now. Um, good, good band. That's all I'm saying. Good band. Yeah, uh, we're checking out. Yeah, man. And Jim, um, like I said, just one last time for the listeners, Morgul Blade. We're gonna keep our eyes peeled for your new recording that's coming out. Wild Beyond self-titled album has been out. Uh, if you've been sleeping on it, check it out. It's on Gates of Hell Records. Uh, very, like I said, it bears repeat uh, listening. It's it's an interesting record. There's some there's some technicality to it. There's some twists and turns. Orb Howls in the Dark Night EP is still available, even though Halloween's been over. Um, but it's still really cool. Um, kind kind of a, a, a cult, interesting DIY. If you like the DIY four track. Uh, found cassette tape in a thrift store kind of vibe. Um, and I say all that complimentary, respectfully. <laughs> um, please check that out. Jim, did, is there anything I left out um, with all that or anything you want to plug or promote? No, Big Will, you did a great job. Thank you so much for doing your research and doing your due diligence on these bands. Halloween never ends. And to all the metalheads that have supported Mogul Blade and Wild Beyond and Orb over the years, thank you so much. We're going to keep those hits coming. Hell yeah, man. And speaking of keeping them coming, one last time I want to remind people, you said it was the first Thursday uh, of January coming up is when uh, the Necrosexual is going to be allegedly at St. Vitus Bar. Yeah, yeah, more than allegedly. It's confirmed, baby. So. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. We'll keep our eyes peeled, man. Uh, Jim, it's been great talking to you and catching up, man. Hope to see you in person soon, brother. Thank you, Will. Rock and roll. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to cut it right there, man. Um, give me one second. back dave you still with me buddy boy i am still here all right i thought maybe you took the dog for a walk i mean that could mean a lot of things but no i didn't <laughs> no yeah i'm talking i'm talking about get, going to get a beer um still nursing that paps blue ribbon over there i am it's all right still i'm got it i'm drinking a um 
fantasy vibe sparkling mandarin marshmallow edition celsius drink have you you know what you know what these are a lot to take in yeah i don't know what that is Like I, I think you're talking about like a brand of makeup for a minute, fantasy like sh- sh- shampoo or something. It's so sick, dude! Fantasy vibe sparkling Mandarin marshmallow edition Celsius. That's that's the dude. It's fucking sick. I uh, I'm not. They're not even giving me free stuff, man. It's sparkling fantasy vibe contains zero percent juice. Just well, in case. What is it? it, it like, nothing. Nothing in that name actually tells me what it is. Is it like a an energy drink? Is it like a seltzer? Is it a <laughs> like like a hard vodka or something like that it's i feel like it's the same type of marketing that comes up with the sanguasugabog um artwork and memes it's like the same like i'm too old for this can of of drink it's like the meme culture the internet kids culture um this yeah it's like can to get off my lawn it's like a energy drink of some sort um okay yeah it's uh you know it's marketed towards like more of a fitness culture i don't know if that's real you know no high fructose corn syrup no i'm not i'm not trying to do the whole commercial the young guys got me started on this it, it hits it hits different when it when it's a hot summer day out and you just perform the show i'll, I'll tell you that much um but yeah no I, I i just i just wanted to compare that to your paps blue ribbon man i'm always doing something a little extra man i'm always for a little funny style and this is just yeah, to I'm prove gonna, it. I'm going to stick with the the past blue ribbon as my energy drink on a hot summer day. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh man, it was hot in North Carolina that day. Remember that, man? That was a fucked yeah. up day. <laughs> it was once we got past like, I guess it's the Mason Dixon line or something like that. It was like Ooh. I don't know how anybody lives down there. It's so hot. Oh man, you got to go down there in the winter to play shows, man. I knew that going in. What was I thinking? Listen. Um, uh, uh enough man shout, shout to shout to jim viola who's just nestled nicely uh south of us not not far enough to be hot out um at extra hot out in the, in the yeah. summer man we appreciate his time chiming in and the only reason i was drinking that extra special um uh ting tangly fantasy vibe celsius was because that's all they had at the store i promise i usually stick with the lemon or the lime um uh, another thing I like to stick with, you know, we're talking about state lines uh, going out of state. Do they have King Cullen there? Do they have Wawa there? I don't know. But it's something I do know, speaking of all these different regions and state lines, uh, the upstate New York region. For our listeners, most of you probably know by now, but, you know, when you talk about New York, New York death metal, uh, you have New York City, Long Island, where I am, is, you know, just outside of New York City. But then you have the upstate region, which can be as far as like nine hours driving distance away from New York City. You have areas that are much closer to Canada uh, and New England than, than New York City. The upstate is the wild, uh, great, great wild north of, uh, of New York, upstate New York. And we explored that a few episodes ago, talking about Morpheus Descends. And uh, what was the other band you brought in that day? Uh, abuse ritual that's right abuse ritual we talked at length about them good band great recording and today uh we're trying to replicate that experience and give you another segment segment where we're going back upstate new york so uh um put on your hoodies and your car hearts and your boots uh and let's get in the the, the pickup truck and go dave we uh yeah dave let's go first you brought something that is a little bit i don't know if this is necessarily a new band i think these guys have been around for a minute if i'm not mistaken i'll let you i'll let you break it down for me man um but we're going to talk about this new release anyway 
uh, before we get into something a little bit more um, uh, ancient and obscure from upstate? Right. Yeah. Uh, that that's actually sort of a hard question to answer because I'm not sure how long they've been around for. Uh, the band is Sick Bay, and their their album is Brutal Existence, which. You know, I really I, I like the band, but I got to razz a little bit on the name because it sort of sounds like it would be the name of an album coming out of like Poland in the late 90s. But, uh, you know, they're a good band. The, the albums or the it's an EP, actually, is pretty solid. It's like they call themselves hardcore infused death metal, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's mostly slow to mid pace. There's no fast parts. There's no blast beats pretty uh stripped down i guess that's where the hardcore part comes from but yeah it's it's very like no nonsense slammy doomy sort of death metal uh yeah and uh this album is the last one with their old lineup they got a new lineup now which i don't know what they sound like now i'm assuming similar but yeah did uh did you have any thoughts on this yeah, this band is making a lot of moves the last uh, few years. I've seen them on a lot of show flyers, playing a lot of shows <clears throat> all over the New York and Long Island area and beyond. Um, Metal Archives has them listed going back to 2000, their first release being 2018, uh, which is interesting. I, I, I don't know um, what the story is there. I, I, I would like to get some, some of these guys on the podcast because even just judging by the band picture, respectfully, these are guys from a certain generation. Uh, maybe my age are a little bit older, a few of them. So it, it makes me think that these are guys that um, have a little bit more of a, of a musical history, maybe in their local scene, than than we're privy to just by way of sick bay. You know, there's, they've, these guys have been around a while. And I, I think I've actually, I, I think uh, I, I have seen some video footage that they've posted on on social media of like playing a show at the Chance in Poughkeepsie sometime in the early 2000s. So yeah, they must have had, you know came around did like did a brief thing and then broke up for a while and then got back together again or something because there is like a pretty big void in their uh in their recorded history oh and i see that uh they have something called the 2003 demo which they released in 2021 but uh i'm assuming that's like just an old demo that they you know threw up on Bandcamp or something like that yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that maybe these guys that that would be like the MySpace era, the burnt CD era. You know, maybe these guys were a band that played a lot of local shows. Um, who knows? In underground death metal, especially where we're from, there's not a lot of money in it, and um, you know, it might have just it might have just gotten to a point where these guys had other things going on in their life, and it just made more sense up until a few years ago to to not to not push the band as much, or they couldn't push the band as much. But they have been putting a lot of work in as of late, and this album is proof of that. Um, I listen to it and it does make sense and it fits, it totally fits with the vibe of this segment, this kind of reoccurring upstate New York segment we're trying to do. Um, there's a lot of parallels there because it, it's like that hardcore infused death metal, but it's not, you know, it's not metalcore, it's not deathcore. It's actually, there's a lot more doom, I think, into some of this. Like, you know, the, these breakdowns are so exaggeratedly slow that they sound like brutal doom in a lot of ways. Not unlike some Morpheus Descends parts, especially on the record we're going to get to a little bit later. And I've always said that the upstate New York bands, you know, I like, you know, call me like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but I'm, I'm trying to build this theory that the upstate New York bands contributed just as much to groove um, 
to like groove oriented death metal as, as Long Island bands did, but in their own way, Long Island, it was a little bit more hardcore and a little bit more hip hop influenced. Whereas upstate, like I always bring disgorged up as an example, the, the, the grooves and the breakdowns were just as chunky, but they were exaggerated and slow and doom. This band is a great example of that. Maybe a little bit more hardcore and a little bit more contemporary than some of those examples I brought up, but this is an awesome album. I enjoyed it. And it sounds like it'll probably be fun to see them live. They're playing December the 30th, I think, um, with Pyrexia and Immortal Suffering and Torturous Inception, Necroptic Engorgement. There's others. It's like a whole ton of great New York death metal bands all playing at Rams American Pub on December the 30th. Double check on Pyrexia's social media for that one. Um, but Sick Bay is going to be there. So I do want to go to that show and see Sick Bay live. After listening yeah, to this I want to see them live or go to that show also. I don't know if I'll be able to make it down, but that's a hell of a, a, a lineup. There, yeah, there's, and um, I didn't even, I think there might be one or two other bands I missed. I, I think Coronary Thrombosis might be on there, and Maddie Death is back in Coronary Thrombosis now, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, so I'm stoked for that. Just, yeah, just, you know, just to show, just to show that I definitely would like to, um, to check in at uh, uh, going on there. I believe it's December the 30th. It's like the day before the day before new year's eve if i'm not mistaken uh check those band social medias and you'll see the flyer please uh listeners if, you, if you're interested in that um but yeah man uh this is a great example of what we've been kind of talking about this upstate new york death metal a lot of which has band members who have been around in the scene for quite some time members of a certain generation respectfully man um people you know it, it's and I, you know, I noticed this too when we played Quinn's Pins in Middletown, New York, over the summer. Um, uh, a lot of diehard lifer uh, metalheads coming out and supporting the scene. Man, it just seems like there's a strong community of death metalheads from the '80s and '90s who never lost their their um, their interest in the music and their interest to go out and support the underground in upstate New York. Man, um, really, really cool shit. And I say all this out of respect. I I, I love it, man. So. Uh, I'll shut up now, Dave. Any final thoughts on this Sick Bay album? Uh, no, just check them out. They're on Bandcamp and all the streaming platforms. They got CDs available. They play shows all the time. They're always, uh, you know, doing little mini tours and and stuff. So you know, check them out. They're a good band. Yeah, dude. Um, great album. And and uh, Dave, if you if you can remember it, what what was the album title again? <laughs> Brutal existence. Brutal existence. Hey, man, that's the hardcore. It kind of almost reminds me of propane. You know that kind of blunt, yeah. blunt hardcore uh, appeal, man. Yeah. So, brutal existence by Sick Bay. Bring him in, Tom. back now dave like i said to you guys before um this is kind of a reoccurring upstate new york or maybe you know we can broaden it however we want but we're just going to say for now it's an upstate new york segment certain types of bands and we're also exploring the catalog of morpheus descends as part of this i sent you the horror of the truth right dave 
Uh, a little link to that three-song EP from 1997, originally released on Angel Dust Records. Good good luck finding a version of that. Luckily, The Crypt re-released it in 2000. Oh, no, I, I guess Crypt re-released it in 2015, but I see now on Metal Archives, The Crypt is reissuing that uh, in 2024 on vinyl. Um, so, And this is probably also included in some of that... Uh, um, box set uh uh and and collection that was put out a, a while ago back to it should look up morpheus descends a lot of their stuff is becoming available again and this the horror of the truth ep from 1997 um coincidentally enough had some parallels to the sick bay record we just talked about i feel like in terms of the slow doom parts coming in but not not necessarily overpowering it from being a death metal album i'll talk about it a little bit but dave i want to get your thoughts on this uh, yeah, I, you know, this is, if you know Morpheus Descends, it's it's not that, uh, nothing really that different. You know, the production gives it more of like a, a sort of like a cavernous, doomy sort of vibe, I thought. <clears throat> you know, there were some highs, high vocals in there that I, I really like. But, uh, you know, if, if you, uh, if you know Morpheus Descends, it's, it's pretty much more of the same, you know, and that's not like a bad thing. I'm not saying that like they're, they're unoriginal because, you know, they were very like reliable bands stylistically. They never really changed it up or tried to experiment or anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What I got. No. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I wanted to include is there was a bit of a lineup change between Chronicles of the Shadowed Ones and this album. Um, even though it's, it's the same guys who played on, uh, Chronicles of the Shadowed Ones, they lost two members, um, and, and the other guys kind of, uh, made up for it. I guess I'm, I'm looking right now. We got, um, Brian Johnston, who was an additional guitarist and Jeff Raymer, uh, who was the vocalist. He passed away in 2005, but we're going back to 97 now. He parted ways with the band, I guess, between Chronicles of the Shadowed Ones and The Horror of the Truth, as did Brian Johnston, one of two guitarists the band had. So when the band recorded The Horrors, uh, the Horror of the Truth, they were down to um, uh, four members being... Um, Robert Yench on guitar, uh, t taking over at that point. Tom Stevens on guitar, taking over vocals now. Um, and Andy Newton on bass and Sam and Zara on drums. Uh, so they retained a lot of the flavor, I feel like, from Chronicles of the Shadow Ones, especially with the drums. Uh, Sam and Zara's drum kind of in the pocket, uh, kind of kind of very s sly, uh, um, uh, uh, subtle hard to duplicate drum style that that he he does in Morpheus Descends especially on those old EPs is there the one thing i will say is i think you do notice the vocals are a little different and there's something about the composition chronicles of the shadow ones is kind of like a 10 out of the 10 knock it out of the park uh you know only comes around once every once in a while maybe once in a band's career recording for me personally that is an all-time death metal pinnacle high point for me uh, as a listener, as a collector, that's all I'm going to say. That's 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 my opinion. So it's interesting for me to look at this, the horror of the truth, which is a great, great little EP, great little three song EP. But um, it is, you know, it's just there's something about it where it doesn't necessarily capture the same atmosphere 
as Chronicles of the Shadowed Ones. Uh, uh, for me personally, there's a, the Doom elements seem a little bit more exaggerated and a little bit more slow, uh, slowed down for some reason. I don't know. I'm, and I'm not, you know, again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm downplaying this. Like, like the Horror of the Truth is not a bad EP at all to listen to. But... Um, uh, there, there's just there's just something about it where they kind of they kind of changed to, to I think even more of a doomy kind of slowed band after that and that that might be to some people's taste like it almost reminded me of the band uh, Sorrow a little bit I don't know if you're f- familiar with them um, but how yeah. they kind of had that that like doom but still very death metal style so not not bad necessarily but you could see the band changing a little bit there um, so an interesting EP to look at in this band's career. And um, I just want to note that that lineup changed, kind of dramatic lineup change between those EPs. So I don't know, Dave. Any other thoughts on this? Yeah, I was just I was had this thought that it's not, you know, from anything. I just like, but being that this is the last thing that they did for, you know, a number of years, I kind of wonder if the that like minor stylistic change you're talking about, like where they just got a little doomier, that was probably not like a sound that like people were really looking for in like 1997 or whenever it came out. So I wonder if that like maybe, you know, helped sort of like push them off the, uh, the edge of the cliff to break it up or something like that. If they were like not getting the right reaction when they played live or something like that, just a thought, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not trying to like, you know, make up their history or anything like that. But... No, that actually sounds like it would be a great question to ask them. Um, yeah, because knowing what the scene was like at the time, you're right. Because you know, at the time, things were a little bit more dying fetus, devourment, hate breed, yeah, the, hardcore. The, the older style sound was like not. It was kind of like on like the downslide a little bit. It wasn't as popular as it had been. People revere this type of stuff now, but it, you're right. It didn't. I was listening to this back then, but you're right. It was on a downturn, and it didn't have the type of support it did in the early '90s. That would be a good question to ask these guys. Um, yeah, so I don't know, man. And again, I don't want to come away from this like giving people the impression that this is not a great little EP to listen to, uh, a good part of upstate New York death metal history, and, a, and a kind of a, a exemplifies what we've been talking about with the kind of more slower, doomy take on groove-oriented death metal. Um, but having listened to it and, and rediscovered it a little bit this week, uh, in preparation for the show, I, I did find it interesting that they, they lost a vocalist and switched out one of the guitarists and the, and the result, uh, is a little bit of a different atmosphere, uh, than Chronicles of the Shadowed One. So with that, um, Tom, take us into Morpheus Descends, The Horror of the Truth. Thank you very much. back at it man uh dave thank you very much for joining me this week i appreciate you taking me upstate and back hey, my pleasure man it's uh it's a good area there's lots of good bands up here <laughs> and uh no, i'm glad you enjoyed it 100 percent, man hey uh, did you see i mean i speak it well it's a similar vibe to what we're talking about not necessarily upstate bands but similar vibe 
Did you see Haybreed is doing a residency at AMH? You know, I think I did hear about that. Um, who are they? It's like different different openers every day, right? Or something like that? I know one is with internal bleeding, and I know one is with tension, and there's a third one, and I think they're all sold out, like, instantaneously. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That's yeah. not a very big place to start, too. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I, I've heard rumors that it might be the last show before they do some sort of renovation to the place. So we'll see what happens, man. I'm very excited for AMH. Very excited for Jamie Josta. They're letting the uh, <laughs> the, the crowd pull the uh, the ceiling tiles down. That I mean, if it's going demolition crew, if it's going to happen, yeah, the tension during the tension set, they're going to start the 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 the, the uh, destruction. They're going to start the demolition <laughs> for the new. They're going to come out and throw a bunch of shovels on the floor. In front yeah, of the stage. I mean that would be an old school <laughs> tension show if they just started wrecking the fucking place, man. We talked about it when we interviewed Tension. Uh, yeah. Go back, go back and check our interview, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that would be that would be true to form. They just start taking chairs from the place and and destroying, abusing bar stools, doing the demolition for the construction guys. Oh, shout out to AMH, man. Um, looking forward to those, seeing how those shows pop off, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be there. I didn't get a ticket. They sold out really quick, dude. And you know, sorry, man. It's, you know, sometimes it's it's for the for the kids, for the young younger people. Uh, not me, the people who can get there. But, um, Dave, any other shows coming up? You saw anything you're looking forward to? Any collector's items coming out? Uh, let me think. Oh, I can't think of any shows. The only show that's really been, like, really on my radar the last week or two has been that New Jersey Death Fest that's happening. But that's, like, in, like, March or something. That's really far off. Yeah. Plenty of yeah. time to to think about that. By now, people heard our interview with Gutter Christ uh, for the holidays. Uh, for Christmas, we had Gutter Christ. And, um... I think he talked about that a little bit, man, so people can follow him on social media for more news about that as it develops, uh, as the news develops. Yeah, um, appreciate you joining me, man. As always, we appreciate Jim Viola, and please check out all the music we talked about tonight with Jim Viola and all of his bands, hardworking musician, um, doing a lot uh, uh, this year. Almost too much, but just enough. And uh, please check out the music. We, we support support New York death metal, upstate New York death metal, but also support uh, worldwide death metal. Um, trying to work very hard on bringing you some different guests coming up, man. You probably 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 already seen it because we're into January by now. But we're trying to bring you some more international people. Trying to bring you some more behind the scenes people that aren't necessarily in the bands themselves and get different perspectives out there, man. Heavy Hole Podcast at Gmail The voicemail number should be in the description where you're listening to this. And Heavy Hole Podcast on Patreon We appreciate all you guys listening and supporting uh looking forward to this year man we want to bring you much more bonus material and extra material uh reeking aura going into the studio to record that second album coming up Afterbirth, working hard behind the scenes on some new releases i don't want to get too too crazy with it. you can go back and listen to by now you probably heard our bonus our holiday winter bonus with cody drasser of Afterbirth. Uh, I let him talk and take over a little bit um, and answer some questions about the In But Not Of uh, uh, album and about the band and all that sort of thing. Uh, Beyond that, man, that's about it, man. Dave, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for hanging with me. My pleasure. It's always fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's always one. (laughs) And that's it. 